Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So we are going to start um, with fallout um, over the war in the Middle East right now. Uh, the star of Scream, Scream 7. Right. Um, essentially and the previous is, Scream movie also. She's basically the lead in the new Scream movie. Yeah. Melissa Barrera. essentially been fired uh, for comments she made about the war between Hamas and Israel. Yeah, and that, uh, we'll get into what she said in just a moment, but it also came on a day where another very big name, uh, Susan Sarandon, also uh, suffered consequences for things she said uh, during a rally in New York City. So we'll get to Melissa first, because I think at least we're going to talk about it, as we do, but to me, I think the Melissa's statements are more clearly problematic, but I know you feel differently. I do. Which we will discuss. I do. So here's what Melissa said on social media. She said, I've been actively looking for videos and information about the Palestinian side for the last two weeks or so, following accounts, etc. Why? Because Western media only shows the other side. Why they do that? I will let you deduce for yourself. Usually, she says, the algorithm on social media gets the gist. Well, my Discover page on Instagram will only show me videos showing and talking about the Israeli side. So, okay, let's yes. go back to that one line. That please. one line? The one line mm -hmm. is basically code. Um, I will let you deduce for yourself. That is code for saying Jewish media runs Western or media. Or Jewish, Jewish people Jewish control run Jewish media. people run Western media, which, by the way, is it's ridiculous. the Jews run Hollywood, yeah. the Jews run the media. Right, the, the Jews, Jews run right. the banks. Right. It's the trope. Um, number one, number one, um, the, uh, to say that the media in the United States has not given the Palestinian side of this, um, I'm not sure what she's looking at. because, yeah. And I'm not saying it's skewed one way or the other. But look, I, I mean, there is a drumbeat right now for Joe Biden um, to demand a ceasefire. I mean, this has been a drumbeat, not only you right. know among people in, in in the country, but it has been amplified and on I, and American I, media. And so I agree I don't with know you where that, she's getting her news but from. But I do think that part of that drumbeat is that the media has been showing the victims in Gaza has been showing um, as you know, they should, right? Exactly. As they should. So I. I as they should. So just a couple things about this, because the way this was being reported at first was a little strange. So Variety broke this first and said she's been quietly let go by Spyglass, which is the production company behind Scream 7, right? And what Variety said at first was, sources are telling us that it was because of that post that we just mentioned right now, where she's sort of alluding to this trope about Jews running the media, mm -hmm. et cetera. But Spyglass later came out with an on-the-record statement saying, you know, anything uh, conflating genocide, this, that, and the other. So basically, Melissa's been posting a lot of pro-Palestine stuff uh, and saying what's happening in Gaza is genocide and ethnic cleansing, et cetera. And Spyglass's statement seems to be alluding to all of her stuff, which is interesting because yeah. Variety first said it was because of that, which frankly is understandable. I, I can understand why they'd be upset about that. But now Spyglass is on the record saying, no, 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 it's all of her all of her pro-Palestine stuff, including the, the notion that genocide is happening, ethnic cleansing is happening, et cetera, et cetera. So there's two conflicting things there. And the, but the, I want to get to the bigger new news, which is that Jenna Ortega, who's the co-lead in the new Scream franchise and is arguably a bigger star than Melissa is, she's also out. So that news 
just broke within the past hour. She's also out. Fabian, I saw that, but they didn't seem to connect the two, at least what I Here's read. Here's what's happening. All the trades are citing sources saying, oh, what we're hearing is that this was months in negotiations, that she'd been telling Spyglass for months that she's not coming back. If that was actually true, we would have heard about it months ago. So the fact that it's coming out a day after the fact that Melissa got fired, very suspicious. I suspect that she's quietly standing in solidarity with Melissa, but is trying to like kind of distance herself and that the trades are running cover for her and her reps, et cetera. Meanwhile, um, another uh, another big star yep. um, has um, has lost her agents. Yeah, Susan Sarandon's uh, agents at UTA uh, dropped her after some comments she made during this uh, rally in New York City. You're going to hear what she had to say here. Um, she this was a pro-Palestinian rally, and Susan spoke up about um, what she views as the Jewish experience in America right now. A lot of people that are afraid, afraid of being Jewish at this time and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country, so often uh, subjected to violence. Look, yeah, I, I like Susan Sarandon. Right. We've had her on the show. We have. Her, yeah. But this comment to me is insulting. It is insulting to say that Jews don't understand violence and now they're getting a taste of their own, of, the, of, of this medicine. Uh, that that yeah. Muslim people have endured. Uh, for it's, Jews, I, I have to tell you something. Oh, most Jews have some direct or indirect connection to six million people who were exterminated in the Holocaust. My father um, was denied entrance to restaurants in Los Angeles uh, where there were signs that said, no dogs, no Jews. Um, synagogues have been targets where people yeah. have been you know, annihilated inside synagogues. That, that's the part so, she's forgetting. So is to that say there's that there's been recent violence against Jewish people. But in it doesn't America even have to be recent. I right. mean, well, I, well, my point is, it, it's odd that she doesn't remember that. Is not acknowledging that. It, it, um, it's insulting to me. Yeah, it's insulting. I, I, I guess I I'm guilty of wanting to give Susan Sarandon some grace here, and that it was very poorly said, and that what she meant was that bigotry is now is growing at, a, at an alarming rate and that it's so open now, so overt, uh, the bigotry and the violence um, against Jewish people. And maybe that's what she's referring to, the fact that it's not I, don't know. I think I don't that's know. the lesson in both of these instances with both Melissa and Susan Sarandon, that they're trying to like say something uh, like for pro-Palestine, which you can do, you can make the argument, but you don't have to veer into the anti-Semitism. That's something that people need to kind of be better at walking the line on. And for whatever reason, people seem to be just veering straight into anti-Semitism in order to defend Palestine. I think you can do both. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to do one. One doesn't have to bleed into the other is what I'm saying. That point is so important, Fabian. And I think you're right, but maybe there's a reason people are veering. It's not this unintentional oh, thing. Oh, Harvey. I'm I, telling I, you, I just, I, there has been a lot of anti-Semitism. Of course there's, that, but I don't think, do you really believe that Susan Sarandon is anti-Semitic. No, but but I'm saying that right. the and veering I, part for the and country. And I think what's happening is that that a lot of people who are speaking up, that want to say pro-Palestine statements, they're not walking. Fabian's right. They're not walking that line. And it is a very difficult line to it's walk. It's not and, a difficult. No, line. It, and no, I, it's I, not. I I feel like it's a difficult it's line not. because when you say, if you want to take this particular conflict, if you say something pro-Palestine, you are essentially standing on the same side as people who are anti-Semitic. 
But you can be pro-Palestinian without being anti-Semitic. As a matter of fact, and I think for I, I how tell do you me, think, how do you think I feel? I think it's hard for Jewish people to dis- disseminate that the difference there sometimes because you're very, and I no. understand why you're concerned no. about anti-Semitism. No, you're excusing. I totally get it. You're excusing. No, I'm not excusing. You are. I'm saying, I'm saying that what I am excusing is that I think there are people who are saying pro-Palestine statements that are not anti-Semitic, but they are being lumped in with anti-Semitic yeah, I mean, people. you should be okay. able to criticize Israel as a government, you know what I mean, right. without, without right. necessarily bashing 100%. Jewish people, right? Uh-huh. Like you, you, to me, it seems easy to make that distinction, but I don't know. No, but I agree with you. I think that you can, in fact, there are Jews who are against the uh, what's going on with the Israeli government right, right. now. There, there are loud voices in that community, and, and, and you can be pro-Palestine, you can argue about land wars and everything else, and that's legit to argue. But to what's happening is it has been completely bypassed and people are going after Jews now. And I think that has been kind of ruminating in the world for a I long time. I agree with you that that and now is it's definitely just, happening. And now everybody has permission just to say it. I and agree it, that those people are there also, but they're not necessarily the same people who are saying pro-Palestine statements. I. I, I hear you, and I think that's true to an extent, but I think that the anti-Semitism is not new that we're hearing. It's just, you're allowed to say now you don't like Jews. And I think that's what's going on right now. Hey, I'm Michael I'm from Texas. Um, I think it's crazy that celebrities are still posting their opinions about Israel. I feel like an app should pop up on your phone every time a celebrity says something about Israel and just shows you your bank account and says, chill. You know, just having an opinion about Israel right now is like telling your girlfriend to calm down. No good is going to come of that. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, wow. Listen, I, I, that, I, I get the metaphor. <laughs> I know that was it's not not uh, <laughs> inaccurate. Um, but listen, we've heard this drumbeat where people are saying, how come so and so isn't saying anything and people aren't saying anything, aren't saying. And then as soon as someone speaks up, they are suffering consequences. I totally, so, I totally agree with you on that. It, it's it's kind of like, like, it's like you, damned if you- You gotta say something. No, I know. And then you say something. And, and then it's like, how dare you? <laughs> right. No, you're right, you're right. Okay, we're <sighs> taking a break. Uh, all right, when we come back, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on the one issue every NFL fan wants to hear him talk about, Taylor Swift. Yes, the commissioner is addressing the elephant in the room that is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. You will see what he has to say. I'm interested whether he is gonna fess up to the fact that this is great for his league. So Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, um, is addressing what a lot of people have been talking about for the last few months about uh, the surge in female viewership of NFL games, particularly those where Taylor Swift's boyfriend is playing. Yes, I said it that way. Um, sorry, Travis Kelsey and Chiefs fans. Uh, Roger Goodell's <laughs> buying into this too. But so. he is buying, and, and that's, look, we know that the NFL has said that they have acknowledged um, the increase in viewership and the sales, the merch, merchandise sales. What is happening? But I, I was really curious to see what he would say on camera about this and how much he would gush. He finally addressed it this morning. He was on uh, CBS Mornings. Uh, here's what he had to say about the Taylor effect. Listen, they're happy. They seem to be enjoying their relationship. That's great in and of itself, but it has connected more fans of Taylor's and more fans of the NFL in some ways to sort of to see that they have a connection. Now they have a connection to our game and to Taylor. 
And she's an unbelievable artist. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Travis is an unbelievable player. And I, I think it's great for the league to have that kind of attention. So we'll, we welcome it. This is like this. The, the fact that he had to talk about a relationship about. <laughs> and it's like, like, this is like a, not an upstart league where it's like, oh, God, we got Taylor Swift now. Pitbull was the biggest game going. In a way, this and is this is Roger Goodell sort of bowing and kissing, totally. kissing no, Taylor's ring, right? Totally. Absolutely. He should have done this even further, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I've watched football for 30 years. I've never seen anything like the attention Taylor Swift has brought to this sport. I mean, we're talking fans and merch and people and talk. Even on, like, random shows and blogs are talking about football and NFL. And, and even people in this office have told me, hey, do you want to go watch Taylor Swift on Sunday? You know what? They're talking about actual football. <laughs> oh you know, it's God. crazy. <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like that. So, yes, he, he did gush, but I think it should have been even more. This should have been like, thank you, Taylor Swift. Please stay around. But they're but doing... Then, but then he, I mean, and this is the hard part. He knows that it's about one of the players' personal relationship, and I, that's the part where he had to be cringing. But Travis where he's has like, made this I, more I, I hope public that than anybody. Happy. Travis has. continues to talk about it every day and day in and day out. So why not? Why, but, why but can't Travis Roger isn't? A, but Travis is in a different different situation. He's actually dating Taylor Swift. No, but and Travis he goes is out using, with her, and he, Travis is using this. No, Travis. No, I'm not saying it's not authentic. But yes. the podcasts and the you know and everybody knows he has to talk about it. I'm not ignoring. I'm not right. Look. We're at a point now where if they have trouble, I think Roger Goodell is going to pay for couples counseling. <laughs> I mean, th this is insanity. I just think, was Roger Goodell ever asked about Tom Brady and Giselle's relationship? No, because it, never. Didn't, it, it didn't go to this level. Giselle never brought fans and, and, and audience right. members to this level. This is crazy. I'm not, I'm not kidding. People go to the games just to maybe see a glimpse of Taylor now. I just think it's just weird for a commissioner to be talking about a player's personal relationship. And I, I get, I, I totally hear what you're saying and why she is he has overtaken the game. It just had she to is, be well because painful for him. It's good for business. I mean, it ultimately, is. Roger Goodell is a businessman, and more eyeballs are watching his his games, and this is good for business. So they're all job, down. Job security for him. It is. So and, so at the next owners meeting, he sits down and it's like, all right, guys, we got to talk about. Taylor Swift, what are we going to do next season with Taylor? Do you think there has been a meeting with NFL officials in the last month where her name didn't come up once? Hi, guys. Mark is right here. Let me tell you how good business is when the commissioner of the NFL goes on a non-sports show to talk <laughs> personal relationship, that is big. And I'm with you, Harvey, on that. If they ever have trouble, we'll find out that Taylor Swift is the real winner. Can you guys imagine what the content, the music will sound like in a breakup album with an NFL star? Oh, but they don't want that. They're going to call no, Dr. They don't want they're, that. They're gonna call Dr. Phil. He's on speed dial with Roger Goodell right now, let me tell you. Uh, okay, we're going to move on. I don't know. Even for Nate Burleson, <laughs> Talking to the commissioner, and that's what they had to talk about. Anyway, it's nice. all right. Uh, okay, yes, uh, moving on to Kanye West and a dispute, a run-in with someone from his past, someone um, that he has a rocky past with, and that would be uh, his former trainer, Harley Pasternak. And they were very tight for a long time. Uh, Harley trained Kanye um, back in the day and... Spent so much time with him that actually Harley was the person back in 2016 who called the uh, who called authorities when Kanye had a meltdown and ultimately got committed. Right. So cut to this Monday in Dubai. Uh, Kanye uh, is in Dubai. His people said he's there with uh, his kids celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but 
Harley Pasternak was also in Dubai, and they happened to run into each other at the same hotel. They were at the Atlantis Royal Dubai. And um, now Kanye's version of the story that he told his representatives, um, who then spread the word, which is that, um, Car that he Harley thought was Harley was him. tailing him, was, was stalking him around Dubai. I, Makes no it sense. Was, it was a very bizarre tale, but then Kanye did actually present video of Harley in this resort um, that Kanye shot. So you're about to see this. And then we're going to tell you what really happened. What really happened at this resort. So what we're told happened is Kanye allegedly approached Harley just before this video started, tried to hug it out with him because if you know anything that Kanye's done over the last few years, hasn't been great. And his avenue seems to be, you know, when I see someone, I hug it out, I tell them I love them. And Harley just wasn't having it. So he was at the concierge. He asked, uh, or he kind of let them know something was happening, that he needed security. And uh, that's what was provided. And then you kind of see the video uh, that Kanye took shortly after. Yeah. And the video, by the way, the video is Harley walking away from him. So the idea that he's saying Kanye is somehow stalk, that, that Harley, that Harley is, stalking. is stalking him, it's the exact, even Kanye's own video. Well, right. He's walking away from this guy. Right. So Seems part to be of it trying is to the get away from it. Anti-Semitic comments he made, but part of it is he just has not wanted anything to do Harley with Kanye West. But the idea that he's stalking him—he's got 20 gyms in the Middle East. Harley is a very successful trainer and entrepreneur, and right. that's why he was he's, there. He's in the Middle East a lot. In fact, he's in Dubai a lot. Um, it's Kanye, if anything, who's the new person in Dubai. He doesn't hang out there all the time. But um, just weird that they would bump into each other. And then, of course, um, you know, like we've said this a lot, it's hard to be in Kanye's head and to figure out how he's experiencing things. But that's what he experienced is not what actually happened. Right. Hey, my name is Krobles from Dallas. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Harley was following Kanye. I think they just randomly ran into each other. And they have a long history. So I think uh, them seeing each other probably brought like a lot of bad blood and old memories and stuff like that. So um, I don't think Harley was following him. Though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Harley... It just doesn't make any sense. Harley clearly wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. We're taking a break. All right, when we come back, a very scary trend in uh, that we're seeing in veterinary hospitals dogs coming down with a mystery illness that then leads to pneumonia, which sometimes has been fatal. What you should be doing with your dogs this weekend as we head into the holiday, what are the concerns and what can we do to take care of them if they do get ill? We're gonna be joined by a vet when we come back. There is a very alarming uh, trend going on for dog owners uh, in America, a mystery illness that um, has been fatal in some cases, and it seems to be somehow connected to pneumonia, but- It's a respiratory virus. It is a respiratory virus, um, and they're just not sure exactly what it is and how to combat it at this point, um, and they are seeing it in alarming numbers. Um, 14 states. In 14 different states, and multiple cases a week, whereas this is something that before would be, you know, a case every now and then. 
uh, but multiple cases each week. So joining us right now, how concerned should you actually be, especially at this time um, uh, before holiday weekend, people are some boarding their dogs. Is it safe to do that? Uh, Dr. Lindsay Ganser, veterinarian in Colorado, she is joining us right now to talk about this. Dr. Ganser, welcome to TMZ Live. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so why don't you explain, um, first of all, just what the nature of this virus is, what the symptoms are, and how dangerous it is? So how it starts, and I think what's really tricky is that it starts off very similar to kennel cough. And kennel cough is something that's been around for a really long time. We have a vaccine for it. Um, and those patients present with a cough, uh, typical kennel cough. They'll cough for a week to 10 days, and then it resolves on its own. Um, typically doesn't require any sort of antibiotic therapy. Sometimes a cough suppressant to help out. Um, but that's generally what we've seen historically. And now what we're seeing is they present very similarly, where they'll have those same symptoms, that cough, that sometimes is a wet cough, maybe they'll have eye or nose discharge, but then it progresses and it gets much worse and the cough doesn't resolve. They end up getting a pneumonia. Um, and when they get pneumonia, they become oxygen dependent and respiratory distress. They'll require really aggressive antibiotic therapies, um, multiple different antibiotics. A lot of times what we're seeing so we're an emergency and referral center, we'll see them in that pneumonia stage. So we're having to hospitalize them in either oxygen cages or on what's called high flow oxygen, which is high velocity oxygen going in through a nasal cannula to help them breathe. Um, and if we can get them through that pneumonia stage, that cough is then lingering afterward for um, at this point an unknown amount of time um, because we're still seeing rechecks of those cases and they're still having ongoing therapies with oral antibiotics and ongoing treatment, and it's not really resolving or responding that great. A lot of this sounds, and I may be way off here, but as you're describing it, it sounds like things that we were saying years ago when we didn't know everything about COVID and how it was affecting humans and how we ended up having to be on, if people were hospitalized, how serious it got. And it's, it seems like it started out it would present just like you had flu, and then next thing you know, it was something much more serious. Is there any connection in the the, the virus? Have you been able? Have they been able to like figure that out? If there's any connection between them? Unfortunately, no. Um, we're not sure if this is viral, if it's bacterial, kind of the underlying cause, and we're looking into a lot of different avenues. Um, the tough part is that when we send out typical respiratory panels, what we would send out that test for all of the different known respiratory diseases, the majority of them are coming up negative, um, or they're coming up with a secondary infection. That's not the primary cause. Um, but so much is unknown about it right now, and I do agree with you um, that a lot of it does sort of fall in parallel with what we saw a couple of years ago with people. Um, not that this is, you know, dog COVID or anything like that. We don't know that. Um, but the same does apply, you know, isolating your dog, not letting them go to dog parks, grooming, boarding, uh, anywhere where there's a high volume of dogs in an area in a shared space. That's where we're seeing a majority of these dogs coming from that are very sick from this. Is there any um, preventative kind of uh, vaccine? Is there like an, a pneumonia type vaccine that can prevent this? 
or prevent that the, the level of symptoms that you guys are seeing? Right now, no. Um, we're seeing this pop up in dogs that are fully vaccinated for kennel cough, flu, and parainfluenza, which are three very common vaccines that dogs do get. So there isn't a vaccine that's for it. Um, and that's why the very best thing to do, especially over uh, this holiday season, is avoid boarding your dog, avoiding all of those high traffic, high volume dog areas. It's really the only thing that you can do at this point to protect your dog. Oh, I, but just real quick, is there any kind of effective therapy? I mean, you guys have been treating uh, dogs. Is there any therapy that you're using in your practice that, that you've seen alleviate? That's effective, yeah. yeah. Right now, what we're trying to do is just. Um, try to decrease what we can uh, as far as the symptoms. So helping with the cough, uh, nebulization, getting them on antibiotics to prevent secondary infections. A lot of those pneumonias, what, what we believe, um, and you know, again, there's not a lot of data because this is all so new, um, is that whatever is the underlying cause, it then allows for a secondary opportunistic infection to come in. So another type of bacteria that because the immune system is weakened from the underlying cause can then come in and cause a pneumonia. And so targeting that and treating that with a couple different antibiotics to get that more under control. And then um, really it's just doing what we can and trying to help them be able to breathe until hopefully their own immune system can battle off the primary infection. Mm. This is one we got to nip in the bud. We got to figure it out. Uh, hopefully uh, I know... Uh, Doctors like yourself are working on this. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Ganser, and um, hopefully we can figure it out. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Um, take care of your animals. Um, we're gonna take a break. Um, I'm gonna make a call during the break. I'm alarmed. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. All right, uh, when we come back, Kim Zolciak and Croy Bierman, what is going on? Why this roller coaster that we've been talking about uh, well, we found out what was at the root of the uh, call to the police this week. Uh, we will share. Come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. The roller coaster that is Kim Zolciak and Croy Bierman's marriage slash divorce slash life <laughs> slash life uh, continues. Uh, we told you that this week police were called to the house yet again. Um, and this time, the alarming part is that it was one of their kids who actually made the call because of a, a heated argument um, that really puzzled us because everything we'd seen last week with these two is that it seemed to be trending toward peace and mm -hmm. maybe a reconciliation. Um, but now we know why, where things went you south. You said roller coaster, didn't you? Yeah. Things um, went south at mid, like going mid down last. Now. Yeah, like mid last week, they went south. They started fighting, arguing again. Again, this is mainly Croy coming at Kim saying, listen, you have a gambling problem. You've got to, you've got to stop. And we've seen in court documents that have been filed in the past in their, in their divorce hearing that uh, they have bank statements in those hearings or in those court documents that lay out how often Kim is on these gambling websites and these crypto websites trying to win money. We also know that they're trying to uh, sell their home right now for $6 million. One would assume that once that house is sold, maybe that will 
make things a little bit better in the sense that they won't be under the same roof anymore. But then you ask the question, could they be under the same roof still after they sell the house because they don't have any money, really? Right, where are they going to live? So where are they going to live? And they have kids and everything else. And in terms of thinking, well, the house is going to be sold, we don't know how much equity is in that house. We don't know how many mortgages they have in this thing. So... I just, you know, the fact that they started fighting last week, that was a couple of days after we saw them on their 12th anniversary celebrating, seeming like everything was fine. Um, And then I just wonder if there was another bill, like you said, uh, that a a, a bank statement came and Croy saw that and was like, whatever. But the money is clearly the, the thing that keeps coming back, sending this roller coaster down when they, seems like things are getting good and then they're reminded we are so, so in the hole, and they know they can't get out. Hi, Letitia from Dallas. And you know what? You guys said it right. It is a roller coaster. We feel like we're on the Kim and Croy coaster. Not only do we want off, the kids want off. They want off so bad that they call the popo on their parents. Do you know how really stressed you have to be to call a popo on your parents? They just want peace. They want a nice Thanksgiving with turkey, dressing, and cranberry sauce in a can. Kim, knock it off. That may not be a great idea. Um, on the one hand, you would hope that because of the holiday, they could sit down and actually, and you, and maybe it brings them together. Hopefully. But it's, I agree, I think it's too risky. Speaking of tumult. Uh-huh. Um, let's go 30,000 feet in the air. Ah, yes. Oh, to our, talk about a roller coaster, to our good friends, at Frontier Airlines. Frontier. Just yesterday, Poor I was Frontier defending Airlines. Frontier. I know you said, were. You and were. I said, it is not their fault. They are Their planes are the same as everybody else's. Okay, fast forward to But we've got to show you this video now of another passenger meltdown, or I don't know if meltdown is the right word, because you know that point when you're on the plane and you want it, maybe you have to go to the bathroom, but you're not allowed to get up yet? Right. Well, there was a woman on this flight uh, that was bound for Philadelphia, left from uh, somewhere in Florida, but bound for Philadelphia. This woman wanted to go to the bathroom. Florida to Philly. What could go wrong? (laughs) Well, she was not allowed to go to the bathroom yet. A flight attendant blocked her, and this was her reaction. I'm ready to be over here. Sorry, everybody. Are you serious? I don't give a Oh my God. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. I want to know what that guy is texting right there. I want to know what he's texting after he very hurriedly picked up his backpack. He's like, I don't want her peeing on my backpack. Oh my God. He started texting. I think at this point, Frontier Airlines needs to give passengers a disclaimer that something they've never seen happen before <laughs> will is likely happen. happen will likely happen on this flight. Or better, uh, or better still, when they when when they give make the announcement before they take off that you the exit doors are here. If you want to pee, don't pee here. It's like this is this is like Springer Airlines. Well, on on okay. top of this woman popping a squat, she <laughs> allegedly also threatened to kill somebody. I mean, think about the kids the, on this during flight. During the argument afterward, right? So, wait a minute, what yeah. happened to her yeah. when the plane landed, or where did it land? Uh, I'm not sure to be completely we, we reached out to Frontier. We're trying to find out what was the end result uh, of this. But, um, yeah, there was a heated argument between her and several other passengers 
uh, right after that because, understandably, like people were saying, there were kids nearby. Yeah. And even if there weren't kids nearby. It doesn't it's matter. Jeez. I mean, they're, they're concerned about the kids because of the nudity. Well, of course. But, but everybody. Hygiene. You know what I mean? Hygiene-wise, it doesn't matter if there were kids. That's just... And again, I want to say I'm gonna. I know I did it yesterday. I know I feel bad I'm for the airline. They're not. not they're not promoting fault. this. They don't encourage. They're this not at promoting all. it. The poor flight attendant was just there doing her job, and then next thing she's got someone. Do they get battle pay for this? I mean, I, I, they I, I mean, it's like God it's, when you sign up. I, I hate to say it. I agree with you. I feel bad for the airline. Yeah. But my God, it's now a thing. Hi, I'm Rudy Ledbetter from Fort Smith, Arkansas. This was a screen from attention. Aside from threatening to kill other passengers, pulling down your pants and threatening to pee in the aisle of a plane mid-flight is absolutely insane. PB Patty might find more chances for roadside bathrooms <laughs> if she's placed on the no-fly list. Okay, five million, I... five million people are flying this holiday weekend. Um, what are the chances we're gonna see something tomorrow I think pretty high. It's a think very good chance. I will say, the last time I was flying, I had to go to the bathroom so badly, and they'd just taken off. Did you squat? And No, I never, <laughs> I never ever entered my mind that I'm just going to pull my pants down and pee here. It never entered my mind. I mean, I, I just don't. It's just unbelievable. Okay, we got to take a break. All right, when we come back, a really heartbreaking divorce of sorts. Paul and Oates are now at each other's throats, legally speaking. They're litigants. Yes. How could this happen? The most successful music duo in history now squaring off in court. I'm going to say it, a, a, a small piece, actually a big piece of my adolescence died when you uh, posted this story this morning. And a big piece of my adulthood died too. <laughs> Uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates are in a dispute. Uh, Daryl Hall has actually sued John Oates. He has gotten a restraining order. Um, and let me try to break. Some, there's a little mystery here about exactly what went wrong, but we know. Let me try to break it down. I'll, I'll give you the legal side, and then we're going to talk about the real issue, which is the music side of right. all of this. So this, this file is sealed, but here's what I think is going on. The two of them have been in arbitration privately to work out some dispute they're having. That wasn't resolved, apparently, in arbitration. So Hall went to court and filed in a real courthouse a petition for a restraining order, which he got. And I think what this is about, I don't know for sure, but when they're in arbitration, it would either be about royalties or it would be about... Oates' ability to use the songs that they recorded in solo acts. Or use the, the name Hall and Oates. Or use the name Hall and Oates. Right. Promoting one right. of his solo shows. And so I think that's what it was. And I think that's why um, a restraining order was issued, which is temporary until a judge can work it out. So I think that's the legal side of it. I think that's what's going on because remember, the file yeah. is sealed. But but, man, in, but in any event, Oates. in any event, it seems like maybe we've seen the last of them performing together. Oh yeah, this this is not good. Yeah, this has got to be you know hurting John Oates. So I can't imagine they mend this fence, especially fifty years plus into their career. But this is like your parents telling you they're getting divorced. John Daryl, stay together for the kids. You know, that's what I want to say. Uh, this hurts my heart. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, now there's a sign about trouble here, and the sign was um, it surfaced on Bill Maher's Club Random podcast, 
where Hall was on, and Bill asked him what he thought was just an innocent question about collaboration with Oates. Mm -hmm. Here's what he said. I mean, you have a partner, so it's a little different than- I don't have a partner. You're you not, think John Oates is my partner? You still tour together, don't you? Yeah, but he's not my partner. Well, your partner. He's my business partner. Uh, he's oh, not geez, my well, look what I've stumbled into here. He's, I, not, I, I, he's I, not my creative partner. Sean and I are brothers, right? We, but we are not creative brothers. We are business partners. We did a lot of stuff. We we made records called Hall and Oates together, but we do. We we've always been very separate, and it's it's a really important thing for me. Well, Bill did stumble onto something uh, big there. Yeah, I think that answers a lot. When he said that, they were probably already in this arbitration that was going on, and. Wow. But you could feel it. You could feel yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, like, seems like no love lost there. But you think they would know, because he refers to Oates as his business partner. They both have to know, like, you know, Hall & Oates on a marquee is going to sell a whole lot more tickets than either Daryl Hall or John Oates by yeah. itself. So, again, at this point, why why mess with it now? This and, is a matter of they've lost that pride. love and feeling. And, <laughs> why have the ego now? Like, no, their legend is set, it. their legacy is set. Why? Hold, Hold on. on a second. Hold Eric, on. you can just say, so I made a reference to they've lost that love and feeling. You shouldn't He tried it. to one-up me, and I made the point that they very successfully covered that song. The, yeah, they had a hit version of it in 1980s. So yeah, yeah, but you. Not, not like the thank Righteous you. Brothers. I actually on. learned Eric, the Hall & Oates version it was not, first. It was not bigger than the Righteous Brothers version, no, but yeah, it was one of their hits. <laughs> Well, the Righteous Brothers were in Top Gun, oh. so there. I'm Frankie from the beautiful Rocky Mountains. You know, I listened to these guys growing up, and this is sad. I have to say I'm thinking it's got to be something over royalties. Well, hold on. What's your favorite Hall & Oates song? I got to know. Oh, my God. I have many. Um, you got one choice. My list. That's mine. Really? Yeah. Is it? Mm. What's yours? Sarah Smile. Oh, I love that song. Eric? You Make My Dreams was one of the first dance songs oh, I love my that wedding. Song so, too. yeah, I mixed it into like a medley that my wife and I danced to that when we got married. All right. You uh, can't go wrong. They're all good. You throw a yeah, dart in their catalog they're and you're going to hit a hit. Good. Oh, my God. Listen, the, the holiday mir miracle we need, I was, before I thought it was Kim and Croy settling things. Oh, you want Hall I need, okay. need Daryl yeah, Hall. Yeah, I agree. It'll, it'll, first. It's, it's Kim and Croy, whatever. Right. <laughs> okay, we're taking a break. All right, when we come back, Cassie services for the first time since filing the lawsuit and then settling the explosive lawsuit that she filed against Diddy. We will see where she is and how she's spending the holiday. So we saw Diddy uh, the day or a couple days after he settled the lawsuit with Cassie. He was in Miami. I think it was actually the next day. Yeah, and he certainly seemed like the weight of the world. Uh, on him because even though they've settled the lawsuit, the allegations are out there now and people are wondering whether this is going to become some sort of reckoning uh, for Diddy uh, and, and his relations with other people. We had not seen Cassie uh, until today. Uh, we got some photos of her. Uh, she is back in Connecticut. Uh, she's with one of her daughters. Seems pretty happy um, that she's back there for the holiday. Now, she and her husband live out here. Um, but she does have family back in Connecticut, so it seems they're like for Thanksgiving. they're there for Thanksgiving. I'm just going to state the obvious here. We normally don't get photos from Connecticut, so these do mm -hmm. feel a little bit like she did want to be seen in a better light where she's with her daughter, she's with the Twister, like she has a Twister game in hand, she's probably going to go play some holiday games with her family, and, you know, obviously, like you guys said, the lawsuit has been settled amicably between the two of them, so I think this is just, you know, she just wanted another narrative to be told other than the one that has been previous. Uh, I, I, I think yeah. everything you said is dead on except for one word, Nikki. 
I, I know. know they said it was amicable. Yeah. It ain't amicable. <laughs> and I butchered that word. I can't even speak. Nah, well, we're, okay. We weren't even going to call you on aside, that. Aside from yes. that, everything was perfect, I think. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Hi, this is April from Atlanta. I know settling the lawsuit is not like an omission of guilt, but I think Mr. Love has lost a lot of love from other people. So moving forward, this will be like difficult for Diddy to like get over and other people to get over as well. Yeah, I mean, we will see. There's, there's going to be some fallout. It's, it's a question of degrees. Right. There's definitely going to be, and I've read and I've seen people say that they don't want to you know, deal with him anymore, but there's still plenty of people who are going to, it's not like yeah. anybody's saying, we don't want to hear his music Again, anymore. this is the snapshot issue. Right. This is the snapshot right. issue. What else do you guys want to talk about? Hi, this is uh, Justin from Massachusetts, and uh, Melissa Barrera was fired from uh, Scream 7, and I like to think that in her statement she was, in fact, speaking about the Israeli government because, uh, but unfortunately, such is the case, it's very hard to criticize the Israeli government and or anything Israel does, specifically Netanyahu and his right-wing extremist fringe that he's got surrounding himself with without being labeled as anti-Semitic. Well, but the, the, pro the problem you got there is she wasn't talking about Israel. She was talking about the Western media suggesting the Jews run it, and that's why you haven't heard it. So this really wasn't an attack on the Israeli government. It really wasn't. Uh, one more. Hey, this is Robert Ford with, uh, I'm in Palm Coast, Florida, uh, looking at the Roger Goodell and Taylor Swift thing. All I can think is like, that guy's just hoping she'll date Taylor, uh, Trevor Lawrence next, you know, <laughs> maybe they can sell some tickets there in Jacksonville. The hot tub's clearly not helping. <laughs> okay. We're taking a break. All right. When we come back, uh, 50 cents tour is allegedly his final tour rolls into London and he's got a big surprise for the fans. Well, Maybe not that big, kind of medium-sized in a box. You want to, we'll show you what's in the box when we come back. I will say if I went to a 50 Cent show, Ed Sheeran is one of the last people I'd expect to come out as a special guest. Which is exactly why he did what he did. During his final lap tour, they had a stop in London, and 50 uh, had a surprise lowered <laughs> uh, lowered to the stage in a box. May have been going a little too slow, I think. You think? Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's see what happens. There's a monster in the box? I mean, Ed Sheeran's not that big of a guy. Yeah, the box the box <laughs> came down super slow and everybody's just kind of hanging or, there. But um, it's kind of cool that he did this. And th they had a song together, it turns out. It was more of an obscure song, but they yeah, actually did it. Was it a big hit? Yeah. Okay, have a great Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving everybody. Thanksgiving, everyone.